Oi, oi, everyone. This is the first episode of the Dalton Manor podcast, and I'm very excited, but there is no time for introductions. Let's just get straight into it. This episode is about Nanook of the North, and that is the title of the silent documentary film that was made in 1922 by a man called Robert J. Flaggerty. And the documentary depicts um, the lives, the everyday struggles of an Inuit tribe in the northern region of Quebec, Canada, and it shows absolutely everything, and let's get straight into it. And the way that's going to work is, because it's a silent film and there's no audio, I am going to describe, you know, the scenes, the shots, and everything that I see in the documentary, and I'm, and I'm going to translate what I saw in that documentary. Um, you know, I'm going to translate that into this podcast, and I want you to be there with Robert J. Flaggerty and Nanook, and we'll make a few comparisons between the lives that the Inuit Eskimo people live and the lives that we live as well. It's excellent. Let's go. Enjoy. The audience is first introduced to Nanook in the form of one of Flackety's long-range camera shots. And as we're sat ashore, the camera is looking out a distance over the over the cold, icy, snowy waters. And what you can see is a black dot. And over time, this black dot gets bigger and bigger, and Flaggerty's used a time-lapse to speed it up a little bit. And as the dot gets closer, as it becomes larger, we can finally make out that this is, this is Nanook. And Nanook's paddling his handcrafted canoe over the icy waters to shore. And he, he gets closer... And he lands ashore, gets out the canoe and has a big smile on his face and waves to the camera. And he looks like an individual who doesn't have a worry in the world. You know, that expression on his face to me just screams happiness, pure happiness. And he's, he's kind of got a, a medium length haircut. That come down that comes down just over the eyes and it's quite thick, you know, it doesn't necessarily look like it's been washed. But as well as the haircut, he's sporting what we would call a hoodie. But what he's actually wearing is the the famous traditional Inuit um garment that would have been worn over the torso and it looks a little bit like a hoodie. But what he's wearing is it's handcrafted, hand stitched, um, probably made from bear and fox furs as well as feathers and and types of hides from sea animals such as walrus and sea lion and this this garment that he's wearing will be so so warm and you know and especially in these climates that he's having to deal with every day and you know as as well as this garment on his legs I can't quite believe this but on his legs he's wearing the legs of a previous polar bear he's killed. Think of that. He's wearing the legs of a polar bear that he's slayed. Such a fucking badass. Such, such a, what a lad. What a lad. And, you know, as well as the, the Inuit hoodie he's got on and the bear pants, he's also sporting some wellies. And these aren't just normal wellies. These are hand-stitched, hand-crafted wellies 
from walrus, sea lion, and he's basically utilised their hides and he's turned them into footwear. And these will keep his feet so fucking dry. Just what a lad. Such a formidable hunter. And, you know, looking at some of the records and the accounts of people that I've actually met, Nanook, he used to hunt polar bears with a fucking harpoon. What a geezer. What a lad. And he comes ashore, smiles at the camera, waves, and he turns back to his canoe, and you think he's going to drag his canoe ashore. But that's... No, that's not what he's doing. He puts out his hand, and it's greeted with another hand. And he pulls out this little human, and it just looks like a mini Nanook. He's wearing all the same clothes. He's sporting the same Noel Gallagher type haircut and he pulls him ashore and throws him and he says right get away and then next he pulls out a little husky dog and it this looks like quite a young husky dog to be fair and he pulls it out and he throws that ashore and the little mini nanook and this little husky run off and play and you know you look at the canoe and you wonder how the hell did that small boy or girl, can't tell. How do they fit in this canoe? And surely that's it. Surely there's no more souls inside that canoe. But that's not true. Nanook does it all. And he reaches out his hand again. And he pulls out another mini Nanook. And he throws him ashore. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. It's like fucking Mary Poppins's handbag. He's just whipping out pianos, ladders, people. It shouldn't be happening, but it is. And after he's, you know, already he's pulled out two kids, a dog. And surely it's over. Surely there's no more people in that canoe. But no, Nanook goes for it. He goes for it. And he's being cocky. As he's doing this, he's looking back at the camera as if to say, can you fit this many, you know, can you fit this many people in your canoe? Absolutely not. But anyways, he reaches out his hand again and a woman gets out. A woman. And this... You know, look, doing some research, which I obviously have. This is a woman called Nyla, and this is his partner. You know, he's he's bit on the side. So he helps her come to shore. He doesn't throw her like he did with the kids. He helps her ashore. But then I had to pause it because on one of the frames in her hood, it looks as though there's a head in her hood. And I wasn't quite sure what, what you know, what it was. But then I did some more research and... You know, for the newborn babies, they would always stall them, stash them, keep them in the hood of the um, the hoodie that the Inuits would wear. So that's so. At the minute, we've got two, three. We've got four people inside this canoe that we know about at the moment. But it doesn't stop there. Nanook keeps going. You know, and he whips out another kid. And there was this kid looks a little bit older to be fair. So he must have had like the the more the the worst spot in the canoe. And he, yeah, it's just absolutely amazing. And and then I was thinking, why the hell? You know, why why is Nanook paddling his entire family in this hand-stitched canoe over the freezing, dangerous waters, you know, in the northern region of um, Canada? Why is he doing this when the it could be, you know, the ocean could be ridden with whales and God knows what? 
But then it became apparent in the, you know, in the documentary that today is a huge day for this Inuit family. And they are going to what they refer to as the big igloo. The white man trading post. And this Inuit family is going to be spending the day with British fur traders. And this is going to be the first time that many of Nanook's children have ever encountered a white man. And today is going to be a day of business and leisure. And quote, with pelts of Arctic fox and polar bear, Nanook will barter for knives and beads and brightly coloured candy from the traders' precious store. So today for Nanook, this is a day of trading the furs that he has acquired over the previous months and he's going to trade them for tools, for hunting equipment, means to survive in the harsh conditions, but as well as buying and trading and acquiring these important things, he's also very keen to buy you know, sweets, toys, and, you know, anything that can bolster and give the kids more opportunity to have fun. And to describe the scene that you can see in this documentary, you're basically looking at a 20 foot tall, a 20 foot wide. It's kind of like a library, a library shelf of different types of furs. And on the floor below, furs have been put out to be used as a carpet so the family and the traders can sit and talk. And in one image, in one shot, you can see that that small baby that was in Nyla's hood is now being crowded round, huddled into by some of the husky dogs to keep the baby warm. And we're also looking at kids in the background play with some of the toy bow and arrows that the traders have. And as well as the boys who are running around and playing with these toys, the lad who looks a little bit older is just sat there with a British fur trader eating some of the exquisite brightly coloured candy bars that they have to offer. And by the looks of it, he's getting a free sample. And in a shot later, what we can see is that the same boy who's been munching on all of these sweets has actually turned quite ill. And there's a caption in the documentary that says, one of the boys experiences a sugar rush. And with his hands over his stomach, looking ill, and, you know, I, you know, the film is in black and white, but the film also says that he begins to turn quite pale. The British fur traders show the, you know, the Inuit family a solution to the problem. And then they whip out some Italian castor oil, which is a type of oil that you would use in cooking. And they give the boy two spoons full of this castor oil. And whether or not the boy gets better later is unknown. But from watching the documentary, even the amazement in Nyla's face, you know, in seeing that the British fur traders had a quick solution to a problem that they've never experienced before. It's crazy. It's crazy. And some of the differences in culture strike again during this day out of the British fur traders. And one thing that does come to mind is when the British fur traders whip out a gramophone. And for all of you that might not know what a gramophone is, it's, it's an instrument, it's a device for playing records. 
and it's got like a, a, a quite a ridiculous looking horn coming out the top. But looking at these shots, Nanook is absolutely amazed whilst this gramophone's playing and it stops and he asks the British fur trader to to crank up the gramophone again and recharge it, get it going again. And he's just listening to what's ever on the gramophone with absolute amazement. And his kids are gathered round and Nyla's gathered round and none of them have heard some of these sounds before. And if you think about it, being an Inuit in that region of the world, living in the wild, and with where your only concerns in the world are about what's going to be the next meal and when is it going to be. The only sounds that they probably hear are the crashings of the waves and the sound of shoes walking in the snow and ice. They don't exactly have the luxury of listening to violins, saxophones, pianos. And Nanook takes the record from the gramophone and he just, he picks it up and holds it up to his face and analyses what it is and he's getting a sense of it. All senses, smell, touch. And at one point in the shot, he actually begins to bite, to taste this record. There is shot after shot of them laughing away with such joy at the sounds that they're hearing through this gramophone. But then it looks as though after a certain amount of time, the laughing and the giggling and the joy kind of, it looks as though it's not present anymore, but then it actually turns into curiosity. And they're actually thinking a lot more about what it is. And they're very focused on the sounds that are coming through the gramophone. Just trying to analyse what it is. Is the music that they're hearing a language? That might that might have been one of the thoughts that they had. Listening, listening to the different keys of the piano. You know, and already knowing that whales and other such animals make strange noises through, you know, via means to communicate. It's not impossible that Nanook and his entire family might have been thinking at some point, what are these people saying to each other? But what they're actually listening to is music, instruments. And that's just, that's just a thought and an, like an interesting idea and a concept that I kind of thought of when I was watching these people because they're not exposed to the, to the Western world to these activities of leisure. And as you all know, all great things come to an end. And this experience, this encounter for Nanook and his family had to have ended at some point. And I can imagine when you live in the Eskimo life, you have to leave daylight hours for the journey home. And in the next episode, I talk about that journey home, which proves very, very difficult for the family to handle. And in that episode and in the later episodes, I talk more about them and their experience of being on the verge of starvation and struggling to find food. So I hope you can all join us for that. Thank you very much.